Welcome to the Andrea Cabrera podcast, where we dive into good chats with good people. I am your host, Andrea Cabrera. Obviously, there are bad things that happen in the world, but I feel like what I went through wasn't a bad thing. It was just hard. Imagine this. You're fighting for your life in the intensive care unit against a rare infection with a 100% mortality rate and only one known survivor. What would your driving force be? Your why? Or the reason to fight for your life? Who would you want to have in the hospital room with you? Where would you first go if you survived? And how would you describe your experience? These and many more are some of the questions I chatted about with Sadie Harris. Just eight days after giving birth to her first child on May 13th, 2023, Sadie was admitted to the hospital for a rare case of uterine infection called Clostridium cerdelii. Fighting for her life became a reality, and she describes her survival as a miracle. The following conversation you're about to listen to was recorded on July 27th, 2023. Hello, everybody. I'm really excited today because I get to catch up with someone from that I went to high school with, actually. We went to the same university as well and just kind of kept in touch throughout the years that we were there. And, uh, you know, with social media nowadays, you just get to chat with people and stay in touch, see what they're up to, um, what's going on in their lives. So today we get to chat with Sadie Harris. Okay, let me introduce and give you a little background on who Sadie is so that you get to know her a little bit better. Um, Something that's really, really quite special and interesting that we'll get to chat about with Sadie today is the fact that she really, quite literally, is a walking miracle. So as an introduction to Sadie Harris, Sadie is from Midway, Utah, and is the oldest of five kids in her family. As a child, Sadie moved every three years. So by the time she entered high school, she had attended about 11 different schools, which is quite a bit of schools. Okay. I I also, this is something interesting that I learned about Sadie because I didn't quite know that about her. That's a lot of schools, 11 different schools. After high school, she spent time in Northeastern Europe, serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And in what she describes as eternal winters there, she learned how important it is to find the light and darkness and always choose optimism. She studied communications at Brigham Young University with an emphasis in PR. And while she was there, she met and married her husband, Ben. After graduating, Sadie began working at Crumble Cookies corporate offices in their marketing department. Three months ago, Sadie and Ben welcomed their little baby, James, into their family. And eight days after delivery, Sadie returned to the hospital where she was diagnosed with endometritis, or in other words, a uterine infection. Doctors later learned that she was fighting for her life, and while she was there, she had two near-death experiences in an effort to save her life against, let's cross our fingers that I pronounce it right, Clostridium sordelii, which pretty much has a 100% mortality rate and only one known survival. So 20 days after the hospital, she was sent home finally to be with her baby. And now 
after a month and a half of being home, she feels pretty much back to normal. So she's returned back to taking care of her full-time baby and doing photography a few times a week. Sadie believes in choosing happiness no matter the circumstances. So this is where we give her a welcome and say, hello, Sadie. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm so good. Thanks for having me. Good. I'm excited. You know, one of the things we were chatting about right before we got started was the fact that you've never been on a podcast before and you were like, I don't really know if I should be nervous or if I should be excited. You know, I'm just going to go for it. Um, And even just before we hit record, the conversation was flowing so well that I I have no doubt that this is going to be a good conversation. So let's hope so. (laughs) We're like crossing our fingers, you know. Um, One of the things I was actually trying to think back at, because I mean, high school, we both graduated the same year, 2016, Uh the Wasatch Wasps. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking back, trying to remember where we met. And I, Kate, correct me if I'm wrong. We met in pottery, didn't we? We took a pottery class. Yeah, I saw that you put that on your Instagram today. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is right. I think you were at the same table as me. Yeah. Yeah. With Mr. McNaughton, right? We learned how to make all sorts of things. Yeah. That's the first thing I have of meeting you. So, I mean. No, yeah, I think that's right. And I I was thinking about it after I saw that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I still have the mug that I made in that (laughs) Do you really? Uh, Or maybe we just got rid of it. But my husband loved that mug for like the first however many years we were married. So I I think I just barely got rid of it. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you believe it's been almost 10 years? Eh, eight, nine. Oh my gosh. No, no. It's like two high schools. Yeah. I can't even comprehend That's that. Weird. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really crazy. But, you know, I feel like in yeah. high school, we didn't really, I mean, we kind of crossed paths, obviously, during pottery. We never really like hung out a ton. But I was thinking back and trying to remember, I don't think I ever really got to know you that well, besides, I mean, the first, the, couple times that we crossed paths when we were at BYU. Right. So what I found really interesting when you sent me your bio, I think we have a couple things in common there where you say you're the oldest of five. I also have five kids. Uh Oh, I did not know that. Okay. And then when you said you've moved and been to 11 different schools. Okay. I had no idea. So where else? I I thought you were one of those like people that just grew up their entire life in Hebrew. Uh, No, definitely not. Yeah. So my dad is a doctor, which is also an important part of the whole Clostridium sordellii story. Um, But yeah, so I am the oldest. So I was born when he was an undergrad and I went to medical school with my parents in DC and then we moved back to Utah and we were in Ogden for a while. And then there was just like a couple moves that were, I don't want to call them accidents, but we tried somewhere and then it didn't yeah. really work out. So I like, I went to one school for like three days. I went to one school for like three weeks. Oh my gosh. So like stuff like that, that was just yeah. kind of like, I wouldn't really consider that like I went to that school, but still yeah. like kind of a traumatic experience for like a seven-year-old, eight-year-old yeah. or whatever. So yeah, but I, we lived in Ogden for three years and then had a couple of those little hopping around moments and then we were in Arizona for three years and then we moved to Heber when I was in oh my grade. gosh I didn't know that so worry about yeah you. yeah seventh grade yeah kind of crazy so I went to Rocky Mountain and then I was in the high school so yeah gotcha but being the new kid is no joke so yeah it's a lot yeah, yeah especially if you go to a school for three days 
Yeah, I think that was just like in kindergarten for a second. I don't really remember that. But you've got to count it. You've got to count it when you have that. You know, the years before, yeah. and all you kind of remember was, yeah, I moved around a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you moved in high school. So did yeah. you move around a lot too? Yeah, I did. My my family, I'm from Mexico. My family moved to the mm-hmm. United States when I was six. And okay. so I went to a school for like first and second grade. And then we moved around quite a bit after that, too. So I didn't quite go to uh, or we didn't move up until to Heber until I was in 10th grade. So I started out right. my um, my uh, not freshman sophomore year sophomore. <laughs> oh, yeah. forgetting all these high school yeah. <laughs> sophomore year that's when I yeah. moved up there and I it was kind of sad because it almost felt like by the time I actually felt like I was getting to know people and making friends it was like high school was over and I was like well that's oh, so it's the worst kind of how it is yeah but yeah what do you do yeah and now high school eight years yeah. ago crazy 10 whatever yeah I know years. My, my siblings Wild. are all, well, I have, I mean, you must be around the same, or your siblings must have about the same age as my, um, around the same age as my siblings. Yeah. And one of my younger sisters, she's in high school now, and it's just really weird to me. I'm like, wow, you're literally it the is same weird. age that I was when I got to Heber. And don't you feel like you were so much older? And I just look at her and I'm like, <gasps> you're, you're like a child. <laughs> I think with COVID too, I, st- I still think my siblings are like three or four years younger than they are. Like yeah. every time they ask, people ask me like, how old is this brother or this sister? I'm like, oh, yeah. they're seven. And she's oh, like yeah. 11 now. I'm like, you're like, oh, oh. What? <laughs> I got stuck. Oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Crazy things there. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, it's moving crazy. around a lot. One of the things that I don't know if you agree with this, but one of the things that I feel like I've real I really had to dig deep and find out at a young age was like who am I and it wasn't always easy but you have to kind of really figure out who you are because every time you move you tr- you're trying to figure out who you're going to be friends with who how and who you want people to know you as you know yes and if I were to ask you yeah, this totally. is going to be an interesting question if I were to ask you how other people would describe Sadie how do you think they would describe you yeah, well, with moving a lot, just going back to that for a second, I definitely always felt like the new kid. And with yeah. that, like, there's a lot of observation that goes on. Like, my mom would always describe me. I mean, this is not necessarily like who I am, but like, when I go into a situation, I like to observe it for a little bit. And then once I know what's going on, I'm like really comfortable. Um, yeah. So, as the new kid, like, I feel like, and you maybe you didn't see this, you thought I lived there my whole life. But when I first moved in seventh grade, I was so shy. Yeah. And then I remember, like, in, and I don't know, it's interesting when you're observing everybody because you can see, like, obviously who the popular kids are. And you can see, obviously, like, the different groups of people. And I feel like when you're just there your whole life, you kind of just, I don't know, the different groups kind of mold and yeah. become different groups throughout the years. And But when you move in, you're very, like, just kind of plopped in the middle of it and you get to see everyone's, I don't know, stereotypes or whatever you want to call it. And so it is interesting because you kind of, like you said, have to, to kind of decide intentionally who you want to be and, like, to which group you want to be a part of and all of those things. So um, I remember, yeah, I remember having a distinct decision in like eighth grade that I was like, I just want to be like happy and confident. Um, And, and like, and because I was a new kid so much, I knew what it felt like when somebody was nice and like reached out. And I don't think I was ever perfect at that, but I really wanted to strive to be that person that was like a friend to other people. And then also just like, in the last couple of years, I don't remember even where I heard this, but there was a 
um, a quote that I heard that said, gratitude and humility are the, twi- the twin characteristics of happiness is what I said. Mm-hmm. And it was like right when Ben and I were dating and I just like really stuck with me because I've always had this desire to be like happy. Like I think that's like one of the things that I would want people to describe me as. I don't know if they would, but just like a genuinely happy individual and someone that's like happy to be around. And so I feel like I would want people to say that I'm grateful and humble, yeah. but I don't know if they would, but that's like, <laughs> I, that's kind of become our like family motto that we're like, Grateful, humble, and happy. And that's like something that we're trying to strive to be. And so I don't know if people would describe me as that, but that's what I would hope in a few years as I keep working towards that, that that's where I would be. Yeah. No, yeah. And actually, as you were, as you were saying that, it reminded me of when, when you were in the hospital and Ben was posting a lot of updates on his story about everything that was going on. And one of the things that just like really vividly stood out to me, um, and I'm sure to a lot of other people too, as they were trying to, you know, stay up to date with everything that was going on was him saying how positive and optimistic you were being throughout the whole thing. And just kind of like the whole fist pump, like we got this. (laughs) I like got teary eyed when I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is crazy what's going on. And I mean, I admire you for that because it's not easy. I can only yeah, imagine. I, it was kind of interesting being like, to be honest, I don't remember. I was in the hospital for three weeks and I don't really remember the first two. So we can talk more about that later. But like I was sedated at one point And then when I kind of came out of sedation, that's when I start like having memories. So I don't even remember that. Like I, I've seen it on his Instagram stories now as I've like gone back and watched them to get a better yeah. idea of like what happened. But um. But yeah, it's interesting when you're in a situation like that and you're like not at all, I don't know, you're kind of just like stripped down to like the very core of your character. Um, Yeah. It's kind of interesting to go back and be like, what was I like at that time? And here, like, I don't know. And that's humbling too, to realize that some of the things I've been working towards over the last couple of years came out in that time. Um, Yeah. And that I was able to be positive. And I mean, I was not perfect. There were definitely times where I wasn't positive, but also just like, got to be that kind person that I wanted to be to like the nurses and found ways to focus on other people. And that's something I've been really working towards for a long time. And it was now hearing all the stories, it's cool to know that I did that when I was like at my very worst. Not to like be like to my horn, but that's something that I've really been working at. And so I don't remember doing that, but I've heard that I did. And that's, it's been rewarding to think about that. Yeah, I think exactly what you said in the beginning, our true character shines through, you know, the things that you've been working on, like moments like that, it's almost like your subconscious that just kind of really penetrates through. And oftentimes you don't remember, right? So yeah, it's, it's crazy to think about. It'll be interesting to dive deep into that. But before we get to the story, because I'm obviously there's so much to that. One of the other things I I wanted to chat with you about is specifically getting to know a little more of your life, like what it looks like, right? So that we can understand more of the context of everything that happened. And specifically, something that I've enjoyed asking people lately is what's something meaningful that you're working on at this time in your life? Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like there's a couple things I could say, like I do photography on the side and that's been kind of picking up a lot lately. Um, and I've worked in, at, in a corporate marketing department and that's cool, but I do feel like the most meaningful thing that I've been doing recently is just being a mom. And, um, it's, I don't know, it's, it's tricky sometimes being at home all the time. Um, and there are days where I'm like, I'm like a totally a people person. So I like to have like a jam packed schedule. And in college, I like had plans every night. 
Um, just never been a homebody. Like I get super bored easily when I'm at home all day. Um, but my dream has always been to stay at home mom. And so, I mean, new moms would know this, but being home all day by yourself on the same, doing the same routine every three hours on repeat, like feed, diaper change, sleep, feed, diaper change, sleep. You know, it's just like, it gets to be kind of like, I don't know, mundane, like monotonous sometimes. Um, and I have struggled at times thinking like, I'm not doing enough, like not getting out of the house enough or like not reaching out to enough people. Cause those are things that bring a lot of meaning into my life. Mm-hmm. But I have this cross stitch that my grandma made and she gave it to us for our wedding. And in our old apartment, it was hanging in our kitchen. And now we never finished the nursery because of everything that happened, but it's supposed to go up in the nursery. So one day it'll get up there. One day. But it says, um, yeah, it says the greatest work you'll ever do will be within the walls of your own home. Mm -hmm. And so on days that are really like hard, not even like, I wouldn't say they're hard, but just like boring. Yeah. (laughs) I like just, just think about that. And sometimes I feel like, oh, I need to like, I don't know, like maybe my job would be more meaningful. Like at crumble or like doing photography but like really Mm -hmm. when I dig deep and think about like what's meaningful in my life like raising this child to be like a good person and to like know that he's loved and like all of those things is really like the most important thing I could be doing right now so I feel like coming home from the hospital getting back into the groove and figuring out what it's like to be a mom and kind of like what kind of mom I want to be has been really really rewarding and meaningful that's cool I don't know about you but I feel like with the uh, there's like this underlying pressure in our society now with just constant information all around us with social media, with, um, with everything, everything that's just all the loud voices where it feels like you need to be doing more. You need to be doing enough. You need to be, you need to be like mm-hmm. the superpower of like being able to multitask everything. And it's hard to slow down because yes. it feels like yes. <laughs> it feels like you have to constantly be on a go. Yeah, for sure. I don't have a kid right now. Eventually I wanna have a family. Yes. I, the whole mundane <laughs> and being at home scenario that you were describing, I can understand that to some degree because working from home right now, it's difficult. Yes, that is definitely so. In some similar, ways, yeah. you mentioning this whole yeah, like right. the things that bring value and meaning into my life. I feel like I'm not doing enough of them, but then I have these things I have to do. Then, like, how how do I do it? Like, am I doing enough? And one of the things that I've been trying to remind myself of is that sometimes in order to find peace and presence with myself, it's okay to slow down, and it's almost necessary to slow down. Because it reminds me of how yeah. some of the most yeah. meaningful things in life are literally within the walls of my home. Yeah. Which, and it's kind of weird because sometimes you feel like, oh, like, what if I go and, like, do this big service project? Like, that's meaningful. Or if I yeah. go and, like, take dinner to somebody or, like, go to this, I don't know, whatever. Um, sometimes that feels, like, more rewarding for some reason. But I just yeah. have to have a constant reminder to myself that, like, this is like laying the foundation for something that's really, really important. So, yeah. And if I were to ask you, I don't know if you've had much time to think about it, obviously with being home and everything that's happened lately, but what's something that you're proud of yourself for? Something that, you know, when you think about, you say, wow, like that was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> I thought about this because I know you sent this question over and this has been the hardest question for me. I think I'm not, I'm not somebody who, I don't know. I think I tend to fall into the, uh, mindset sometimes that I'm, like I just said, like I'm not doing enough. So sometimes it's hard for me to like, think like, oh, I'm proud of myself for this. But 
but definitely surviving. Like this has been a crazy couple of months. And, and so I do, as I was thinking about this and kind of, as we were talking about like being the new kid and all those things, I do feel like a more long-term thing and accomplishment is just like being resilient. I feel like that's a trait that I've not purposely developed, but over the last, I don't know, 15 years have like worked for not by choice, but just by circumstance. And, um, and so I feel like I've learned to be really resilient and choose optimism, like you mentioned um, earlier. And so I, I don't know if that's not really an accomplishment, but just something that I was talking to my mom the other day and just we were talking my dad was sick and he was like complaining and he was anyway, they were just talking about how, how tough I was when I was in the hospital and I'm not trying to like toot my own horn again. But <laughs> but I do feel like there wasn't like a moment yeah, yeah. that I I mean, I was definitely like suffering, but I always felt like, oh, this could be a lot worse. Like it didn't ever feel like, oh, I'm like on the, I mean, I don't know. So I just, I just feel like I learned to be mentally tough and, and I've had to do that over and over again. And, um, and so I don't really know, that's not like an accomplishment, but I am proud of myself for being able to be resilient and, and just get through things that are kind of hard. Yeah. I think, oh gosh, what you said I mean, it's what you said about the whole, res, I've learned resiliency, not necessarily by choice, but by just the circumstances, you know, it's hard to sometimes choose to learn things. It's just kind of what life puts in your path. And you either have to make the choice of looking at it through a positive lens or trying to just instead of making yourself a victim right and I've always been a big believer that if it weren't for these circumstances that are placed in our life without necessarily it being a choice I mean we 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 could slack off so much and it's like how much would we actually so true like a lot of people like just the comfort of things right and it's not until you like have so, or like goes as easy the, the, ex, the easiest example i can think of is like school and when oh, you have like totally. deadlines or something when you have the dang deadline you're it's gonna so get it done or you get it done right <laughs> Even if you work on it a few days before it's due or the night before it's due. Oh, I was a night before it's due kind of gal. I got really good at being at like turning. Oh, yeah. Before like a minute before the the midnight. Oh, at 11.59. Yeah, (laughs) that was my go time. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Which side story. My senior year at BYU, I had, I was taking one of the GE classes that I, I always told myself I wasn't going to be that person that like took a GE. <laughs> like last semester. Here we are. So I was that senior. Uh-huh. But I I passed. So that was good. Obviously I graduated. But uh-huh. I legitimately got to the point where it felt like all so much busy work. It was like a literature class where we were reading like Greek mythology. Oh, those are the worst. And it was like <laughs> some people like that, but like the reading gen eds are the worst. And it was a spring semester, so it was like twice the spring. Oh, that is a double whammy. Yeah. I to read them so fast. I only read like one of the books and everything else I spark noted and just would listen to videos while I was walking to campus. <laughs> uh-huh. We've all been there. And like, I, I, I promise, like every single assignment, 
I would open it up like half hour before it was due. And oh, somehow find a way we've to all had a class like that. get it done. So anyways. Oh my gosh. I can relate. Yeah, that yeah, that's so true though, because when you don't have like a reason to do something, sometimes you never do it. Like I know that in my life sometimes I'm like, I wanna be more of this or like I wanna do this, but then there's not like a reason or like a way for me to remember to do that thing. So I just yeah. never do it. Like I wanna be more patient or whatever. But it's like if you don't have something that's making you do that, then then it doesn't happen. So yeah, I do feel like a lot of the traits that I've developed have mm-hmm. just come from circumstances. The the life that I've been given and everything that's yeah. happened. Yeah. Which with that thought we did t- chat a little bit about like this optimism and resiliency that you've recently, you know, learned slash been proud of yourself of um, kind of goes hand in hand with my next question, which is what's something that you've learned recently and maybe not necessarily about yourself, maybe about other people, maybe an insight that you gained throughout this experience or through being a mother, something that has really been on your mind lately that you've learned. Oof, this is a hard one. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, well, obviously there's like a lot of lessons that could be pulled from my experiences in the last couple months. Um, I feel like in the hospital, this is maybe not the, I don't know. I'm sure I could think of a better answer. And I probably will after this is over and I'll be like, oh, I should have said this. But, but um, <laughs> it's okay. yeah, but I remember like in the hospital, there was a week where I, I mean, that infection was just so bad and it was attacking everything in my body and I was not keeping anything down. So like I didn't eat or drink for a week, <laughs> which is so crazy. Um, and I remember yeah. after I came off of the sedation, like I still, I was intubated, um, which means I had like a breathing tube down my throat. So I couldn't talk mm-hmm. and I wasn't eating anything. I think they finally gave me like a feeding tube that had like some yeah. nutrition so my body could continue fighting. And after I got that tube out, they started giving me ice chips. So if you, I don't know if you go to like Swig or like So Delicious or like get pebble ice anywhere. That's essentially one piece of pebble ice. They were giving me one piece of pebble ice every hour. Oh my god! <laughs> and that was all I got. So I could do, I could have that, and I could brush my teeth as much as I wanted, and that was all. How many times did you brush your teeth within an hour? Oh, there was one day that I think I brushed my teeth like seven times in an hour, but that was before I was sedated and stuff because the medicine they were giving me was making a really bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember that. Ben just laughs about it now and is like, yeah, anyway. But so after I, they t- were pulling off the sedation, they took out my tube um, so I could start talking. Uh, they started giving me these ice chips once an hour again. And my family just laughs about it so much now because those ice chips felt like so amazing like you would just not ever think that like an ice chip would be like true joy right but like this little piece of like ice and like a little bit of water every time they gave me one so like i, I think it might have been at every hour and then they went down to every 30 minutes um, yeah and so on the dot like i would say like oh it's time for my ice chip like i knew exactly what time it is without even looking at the clock i was like <laughs> it's my ice chip time yeah um and then i would put it in my mouth yeah. and i would I would go like this and put my hand up to the nurse and be like, don't talk to me while I eat my ice chip. Because it was like, I wanted to savor this ice chip so bad. Because if they were talking, if they were talking to me while I was eating it, it would, if I tried to talk fast, it would melt so fast. And I wouldn't get like this 90 second, like glorious moment of like, yeah, having water, you know? So I feel like, and I remember thinking that like, as I was coming back and like, after I realized like I should have died and like, 
I remember just like staring at the ceiling in the hospital and being like, this is the most, this is the most perfect ceiling they could put in here. Like just like stuff like that. There's like the little things that I would have never noticed before or never would have like even second guessed or thought about. I was just so grateful for. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of things like that. Like all of that happening with the ice chips and everything. There was a a couple of days where they let me have like liquids. Yeah. And all I wanted was soda. (laughs) Like all I wanted was like my diet Dr. Pepper with like the coconut syrup in it. Um, And so the first time they like brought me soda, there's like a video of this um, on I think Ben's Instagram or my mom's Instagram. It was like true joy, like just having a little, and I could only have like one drop of it, but just like the flavor, I was like, like, oh my gosh, like I haven't had anything this amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I just feel like being that, I don't know, close to dying and then coming back, like everything that I was like doing for the first time again, felt like, like, it felt like I was like learning to like live again in some ways. Like I had to relearn to walk and I had to relearn to eat and I had to like do all of those things. And Um, And the other day I actually went on a run, which was like a big step for me. And um, I was just like, so happy to be running. Like I was like putting my arms out and like listening to the new Taylor Swift album and just like running. And it felt like the most amazing thing in the whole world. So back to your question, I feel like something I've learned is just to, and then like having a baby and watching him discover all of these things. Like today I was giving him a bath and I was like helping him splash his foot. And then he just started doing it on his own. And it was just really, really sweet. And so I feel like just between like me relearning to do all these things and watching him learn to do everything for the first time, I've just like learned and felt like I need to appreciate the small things in life and not take anything for granted. So yeah, I guess that's my roundabout conclusion to all of those stories. But yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things I've been learning and feeling lately. And didn't realize that you had to relearn how to walk, relearn how to eat relearn just all of these things how long did it take you to relearn that um yeah so I was in the hospital for 20 days I was in the ICU for 12 of those days and for every day that you're in the ICU they say it's about a week of recovery for like full recovery so that would mean that I shouldn't be fully recovered Mm. for three months it's been a month and a half and I feel like totally normal so that's just side note miracle (laughs) that also is a miracle but um so yeah yeah, so wow the last couple days i was in the icu so i was in the icu for 12 days and then i was in the recovery on the recovery floor for a week after that Mm -hmm. so the last like day or two in the icu they had me sit up i hadn't sat up in like nine days um and then they had me stand up and there's a video that ben took of me standing up for the first time and i was so lightheaded like i look like i'm just gonna like pass out it was like yeah my heart rate like just standing up my heart rate like skyrocketed and actually just like funny side story um because i was sedated i didn't remember a lot from like the first however many days eight days nine days in the icu but then the day that i started waking up i like would not fall asleep because i was so scared i was gonna die so that's a whole different thing i was not gonna die at that point like i was safe but i just felt like i was anyway the first time that i actually like remember waking up in the icu was the day after i had stood for the first time (laughs) and so like there's a lot of beeping noises in the icu like all your monitors and like your iv and everything and um And so I like, I woke up and I totally thought there was like an alarm clock. And like the nurse was like, had said like, it's time to get up. So I just like stood up. I have no idea how I got up because every other time I tried to do that, it was so incredibly hard. But somehow like in my sleepy state, I like stood up and was like trying to figure out how to get dressed. Like I didn't have any clothes besides my hospital gown. I didn't have like anything, but my heart, my heart rate skyrocketed. All the nurses come running in. They're like, how did you get it? Like, why are you standing? And I was like, 
I'm just, I was just going to get ready for the day. And they're like, what? <laughs> you don't get, oh you don't get ready for the day in the hospital, you know, like it's not like, yeah. just, anyway. So yeah, that's just a funny side story. But anyway, so then once I got up to the recovery floor, I started walking. Uh, actually, I might've done that the last day in ICU, like with a walker. And then I would start doing loops with the walker really, really slow. I had this like Ivy tower that I would bring with me that was like super annoying. And then going to the bathroom was like the biggest chore. Like it would take me like 30 minutes to like get up, walk over to the little bathroom. Like it was so hard. So probably by like day four or five in the recovery floor, I had taken like steps without the walker and I was starting to do like stairs. Um, but by the time I went home, I was like walking pretty well on my own, but I couldn't like go for a long time. So I didn't have like great stamina. Yeah. So probably like a week or two of relearning to walk and then the eating, I just didn't have a huge appetite. So I had to like just slowly build that back up and, and yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that was a long answer to a little question, but. Oh, it's okay. I'm trying to like piece what I saw on these stories when, the, when they were all, uh-huh. when Ben were like posting everything, piecing it together with everything you're saying. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like. I'm sure with your family, like specifically now that we're on this topic, they've, I'm sure, mentioned things that happened that you can't remember or things that maybe they thought while they were there. Because obviously, as you mentioned in the beginning, you moved around so much because your dad was a doctor. And I know your dad plays such a big role into being there with you and um, with everything that was happening. What's something that as you've chatted with your family about this, something that you didn't realize was happening or maybe that you can't remember that will lead up to this miracle? Yeah. So just kind of from the beginning, like, um, yeah, so I, it was eight days after I had given birth. Um, I started having really bad cramps, which is pretty normal, like postpartum in the first couple of days because your uterus is like shrinking and like there's a lot going on in your body. So I was like kind of thinking it was like not a big deal. I was like, eh. but then I started, it just got worse and I couldn't really walk. It felt like I was like in labor again. Like it was just like, oh anyway, gosh. so you were like, I don't, I'm out of labor. So, you know, it's not yeah, labor. <laughs> I was like, it can't be that. So, um, which is funny. Cause when I was actually in labor, my contractions like didn't hurt that bad until like the last like hour. So it's just like ironic. So like, I was like, Oh, these yeah. still like, anyway, so I ended yeah. up going to the ER. Um, and I remember like walking into the ER and I remember, like, I called my dad as we were driving to the hospital, and I really, really wanted him to be there because, well, I mean, he's a doctor, and yeah. I trust his opinion with medical stuff and just, like, with other things in general, obviously, but, um, like, so much. I just, like, needed him to be there. So we dropped off James with Ben's sister and our brother-in-law and met my dad at the hospital and went into the ER, and um, and then once they kind of realized I was going to need to be admitted to the hospital... I have a video on my phone of me rolling then rolling my hospital bed down a hall into these doors. Uh, and that's the last thing I remember is that video, to be honest, until I like woke up from sedation, which is so funny. So that's like two weeks that I just like lost a lot of memories. And I honestly, I think it's a blessing because there's a lot of like traumatic experiences that happen that I just have the blessing of not remembering. So uh, I think it'd be a lot harder if I could remember all that stuff. But um, but yeah, talking about things that I like have learned or things that happened, I don't think, well, I, I don't think I knew how serious it was. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's, um, okay. So I don't remember, but like, I do remember as I have like prompted, if I'm prompted with like, Oh, do you remember this conversation? Then I can start to remember that. Or like, we listened to this voice recording 
um, that Ben had taken of me talking to a doctor so we could send it to my dad because he wasn't there. And so I listened to that recently and I was like, oh my gosh, like I remember that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that conversation, this was before either of my surgeries, like probably, I think I had just gotten to the ICU. I kind of mix up the timeline because I don't remember a lot of it, but like, I think I, I had two surgeries and a couple of procedures. And um, at some point I got to the ICU. I don't remember if it was before or after the first surgery, but um, in that conversation with that doctor, I was like asking like, what do I need to do to go home? Like what milestones do I need to be hitting to go home? And he was telling me like, your, your white blood cell count needs to come down. You need to be walking. You need to be like eating and keeping food down, like all these things. And I remember really thinking like, okay, this is my to-do list. Like I can do this if I just like work for one thing at a time, like I'm getting out of here. But yeah, something is that I don't, I don't know that I've like learned about since then. Well, one thing is like my extended family and just friends and people who are in my close circle, were just there all the time. So like the waiting room in the ICU was full <laughs> of my cousins and my aunts and uncles. And like people drove from out of state to just like sit in the waiting room, which when I woke up and like realized that was happening, I was like, so overwhelmed, I think is like the best way to put it. Cause it's like, you don't realize like people, I don't know, people are just so good, first of all, but second of all, you don't think like people would do that for you. Like, why would they want to come? Like, and mm-hmm. I, I remember when I woke up, I was like, well, I feel bad that they're sitting out there. Like, let them come in and talk to me, but I couldn't like see everybody. Um, but they just wanted to be there to support me. So that was one thing that was just like really overwhelming that I learned about um, kind of after the fact. And I'm, I might've known that was happening in the moment, but I didn't remember until later. And, mm-hmm. and so that was pretty overwhelming. And then, and also just like when I went in, uh, I don't remember if we mentioned this earlier, but I ended up having to have a hysterectomy um, to get out the infection. And when I went in for that surgery, my body was like not in a good place at all. Um, and they really didn't think I was going to make it through the surgery because they thought I was going to lose too much blood. Mm-hmm. And like, they just didn't even know if they'd be able to get all the infection out. And, and I guess my dad like said bye to me before going into the surgery, which like, I didn't, I don't remember that. Like, luckily, yeah. um, and Ben was sitting there, he's like, I'm not saying goodbye. Like, I can't say goodbye. Like, I refuse to say goodbye, you know? But then, yeah, they were sitting in the waiting room. My dad was just looking at old mm-hmm. pictures of me and, like, crying. And Ben's, like, holding James, like, crying. And my brother had no idea that it was that serious. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I should, when like, prepare. You. Yeah, he's like, I guess I yeah. should prepare myself for, like, the worst. But, but yeah, those are a couple of things that, like, I didn't really know that was happening. And then, like, I remember waking up and hearing about all the people that were praying for me um, Mm -hmm. and, like, fasting and, like, I don't know. That was so overwhelming. And just, like, I honestly felt the power of the prayers and, like, I don't know. It was very sustaining. And so I think I learned that that is so real and that people are so good. Like, I don't know. I was just really overwhelmed by that and by people's goodness um, and how much they were willing to, like, do for my family. Yeah, it's really cool to watch how there's just so much good in the world like amongst obviously the other things that maybe are not so good but people are good to the core and hearing obviously family that your family was there and everything oh my goodness here's something that I actually was curious about when you posted it on your story that I want to bring up right now too about your brother because now you call that June day miracle day because your brother almost nearly died too. He yeah. almost got a nail to the heart, was it? Or something like that? 
I know. Yeah, no, he did get a nail to the heart. I don't know what what my family needs to learn, but like, but my dad definitely needed to be a doctor because his kids were gonna have some issues. Yeah, no, um, yeah, he he was like twelve, so he was like twelve, and anyway, so it was ten years to the day we both got out of the ICU, which is crazy. But yeah, he was like mowing the lawn, freak accident, and nail flipped up from underneath the lawnmower and shot straight into his heart. But he's fine. fine. No side effects, no nothing. So yeah, now he's fine. Sure, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We must have special angels watching over us or something. Yeah, Yeah, crazy. And then this is something that I was curious about as well because obviously, because he's working right now, right? Or in school? What what was it? He's yeah. We both graduated. Yeah, we both graduated. So he's working, but he was on paternity leave during all of this. Okay, so it's not like he he had time to take off too, or he was taking time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he got like four weeks of paternity leave, and then his boss and his I don't know the person above his boss, whatever that's called, manager, (laughs) I guess, manager and boss, I guess. They they were following pretty closely everything yeah, yeah. that was happening um, on social media, and yep. they ended up giving him another three weeks of maternity. Well, like a extended period of time. I guess it was like PTO, but they just gave yeah. him extra time to be at home. So he just barely went back to work like two or three weeks ago, wow. and he works remotely most of the time right now. So they've just been really flexible about it, which is That's awesome. good. That's really really good. I couldn't imagine. I was like, yeah. how? What? Like, oh my gosh, like he's trying to support you. But yeah. then at the same time, he's got this baby. But then if he's got to work, like I was just like, oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. And when I really seriously mean that a yeah. lot of people were talking about it. Holy cow. I've kept in touch with, um, I've kept in really close touch with Kaylee and Dayla from high school. And like everybody, like we were ch- talking about it. We were like, oh my gosh. Like everybody was like, what is going on? Like, mm-hmm. tr- like trying to like do everything we could to like support in any way we could, right? Prayers, fasting. Uh-huh. <laughs> and. And then super random, but I ran into someone from high school as well. Another girl, she was also, yeah. she was in her graduating class too, but I was flying to Utah during the days that you were in the hospital. We so happened to sit next to each other. Really? And then all of a sudden she goes, oh, I haven't talked to her since literally high school. And she's like, oh my gosh, have you been following Sate? And I look over, Sadie Tullis. <laughs> and we were both like, oh my gosh. Yeah. We were both like talking about it and like how oh. crazy it was and everyone that i know that knows you was like seriously sending any sort of good energy positivity oh, your yeah. way. no i know i've heard and that's that's so funny because i've heard several stories like that and i'm just like i don't i don't know it's so overwhelming because like it's not like i know any of these yeah. people super well or like i'm that good of friends with these people but like I don't know. There's like even I don't remember who it was. One of our friends is like going to medical school with somebody that like went to high school with yeah. us, which is like weird connection. But we like we're hanging yeah. out. We were hanging out with them the other day, and they're like, "Oh, do you remember so and so from high school?" Like he was, and I like mm-hmm. maybe talked to him like twice, you know. And they're like, he was like asking about you and like wanted updates. Like every time I saw him, and I was like, "What the?" You know, it's just like so overwhelming and so humbling to be like, yeah. I'm just so yeah. grateful. Like the people, I mean. Obviously, I'm grateful people cared, but I'm also just so grateful for everyone's, like, faith and, like, good energy and prayers or whatever you want to call it that, like, because uh, I definitely felt it. So, anyway, thank you. Thank you, the person from high school on the airplane for, like, caring enough to, like, follow. <laughs> the <person> on the- <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And 
it's always to me one of the questions the other things i'd want to ask you about is uh this phrase that i sent you about why do bad things happen to good people um which is interesting to talk about and i think it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts on it because as you mentioned in the beginning and in your bio you want you like to keep positivity you like to choose happiness no matter the circumstances and resiliency and that's a question that we hear a lot in our day now where sure. why does God exist if bad things happen to good people? And obviously with this experience, I'm sure you've got some interesting insights on that. So what would you say about that phrase? Yeah, well, I've actually had a couple people like, not like ask me about this, but kind of bring this up to me or say that they were thinking about that while I was in the hospital. And when people say that, I just don't really feel like this is going to sound weird, but I just don't really feel like it applies to me necessarily. And I'll explain what I mean by that. I just don't feel like what happened to me was like a bad thing. It was definitely hard, like for sure hard. Um, but I do think it's all about perspective. Yeah. Um, for like, bad versus hard. Um, there's so many things that I've learned from this experience. So I don't think it's like a bad thing that it happened. Um, mm-hmm. And hard things happen to everyone. That's just yeah. part of life. Um, and I do believe that we all have a certain like innate p- potential and throughout our lives, we're trying to discover like what that is and become more than we currently are or have been. Um, so hard things kind of have to happen to us to, yeah. in order to become who we want to become and who we're supposed to be. Um, and just like one story comes to mind, and this is a little bit off topic, but I'll, I'll tie it back in, I promise. <laughs> uh, when I was in fourth grade, I was a new girl again. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there was a few girls in my class that just were not the nicest. Like, I mean, typical fourth grade drama, you know, like looking back, it's kind of silly. Yeah. But they weren't super nice to me. And um, my mom had this necklace. Like she had this jewelry box in her closet that I loved going and like looking through. It was like her jewelry from high school and then like some other jewelry from like my grandma and my great grandma and things like that. And she had this necklace that was my great grandma's. And the necklace had like three tiny, tiny diamonds in it, like almost to the point where you couldn't even like see them, but they were, they were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember coming home from school and like, she knew that something was up and I talked to her kind of about this experience and like what these girls were saying about me behind my back and like what they said to my face. And, um, and she gave that necklace to me to wear. Um, and I wore that throughout that school year. Um, I actually sang in a talent show that year, which was like a big step for me because I was like the new girl and like shy. Mm-hmm. And I wore that necklace and there's like a picture of me that we have that, is like me wearing that necklace in the talent show. And, but like one of the things my mom said to me when she gave me that necklace was that like people can say whatever they want about this necklace. They can say that those are pebbles. They can say that they're rocks. They can say that they're fake, but you know that they're diamonds. Like no matter what anybody says, you know that they're diamonds. Um, and with that like metaphor in mind, I've, I've just thought a lot about over the years um, and I actually got an, a ring for graduation from high school that said like meant to shine and it was a little diamond on it from my parents. It was kind of like a part two of the necklace, you know? Um, anyway, and I, so I've reflected on the concept of diamonds a lot. And diamonds only turn into diamonds when they go through, like, tremendous heat and pressure. Um, and so sometimes we have to go through, like, really intense, hard, trying experiences. And some people, I mean, I, I do think bad things happen to some people. Like, obviously, there are bad things that happen in the world. But I feel like what I went through wasn't a bad thing. It was just hard. Um, and I feel like those hard things that we go through and that everybody goes through in their lives help us become, okay, not to be cheesy, but like the diamonds that we're meant to be. Like that's a cheesy analogy, but I do feel like that's mm-hmm. something that I've thought about throughout my life. And I don't, 
I don't feel like what happened was bad because there was a lot I was supposed to learn from it and a lot that other people were supposed to learn from it. And I've had numerous people tell me like what they learned from watching my experiences. Um, and so I do feel like, I don't know, it was supposed to happen that way. And even though it's hard and it leaves me in a tricky situation going forward with like trying to figure out how to have kids and things like that. And that's something I've had to like deal with. It's definitely been hard, but I just don't, I don't think I can with everything that happened and the miracles of it. I, I don't think I can even let myself think that it was like a bad thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's also just this whole idea of it not being bad, but hard and that hard is good. And that hard is what turns us into, like you said, cheesy analogy, even though you call it that, yeah. I think it's true, but the diamonds that were meant to be, you know, I think, I think it's, there's so much truth in that, honestly. And I think it's something that sometimes, like, sometimes we forget or some people can forget, right? And they can get so stuck on being becoming a victim um, instead of choosing to look at it as a challenge that's turning you into something better. So one of the other things I want to ask you is who the first person is that comes to your mind that you would describe as a good person. <laughs> oh man, that is a hard one. I feel like several people come to mind. Um, ben, my mom, my dad, my in-laws, my grandparents. But um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I just, as I reflect on everything that happened and in the context of that, because that's like a big thing in my life right now that I'm kind of viewing everything through that lens. But um, I do feel like good people are people who use their gifts to like lift up and serve the people around them. And so just to kind of like give a little story for that as well. Um, that day that I was talking about when I was kind of coming out of sedation um, and I starting to realize what was going on. Um, I really, this is so interesting, but so I had the, the really scary hysterectomy surgery, which was like, yeah. they didn't think I was going to live through that. Um, and also just like with this infection in general, Clostridium cerdelii, it's the other known survival um, that story that that lady had surgery on day two um, to get her uterus out. And I didn't have surgery till day five. And they say that within two to five days, usually people die from this. So, oh so that's a miracle in and of itself. But just that, that gives some context to the story. So um, after I had the hysterectomy, that was scary. I made it through that. They thought everything was on the uphill. Then I actually had this other complication. Um, part of Clostridium cerdelii, you kind of fill up with fluid in a lot of places. So I had fluid in my abdomen. I had fluid in my lung, like around my lungs. Anyway, so they had to take that fluid out. So I had like this drain that was draining from my abdomen. And then with the lung thing, they had to drain that like as it was a procedure they did. So they did the first side. Everything was fine. Then they did the second side. And this is like, there was a, such a small chance of this happening. This doctor has done like thousands of these and this has only happened three times. So like the chances of me having this complication were so slim. Um, oh my but basically my lungs started filling up with fluid. So it was basically like I was drowning in my own like body. Um, and, and I don't, and I don't remember that, but like, that's when they, that's when they sedated me. That's when they intubated me. Cause I couldn't breathe from that. So all of that happened, they sedated me. And then it was when I started waking up from that, that I started having memories. So on that day that I woke up and was starting to remember and starting to like understand what was going on, that I had this tube in me. And that I was like, 
in a life-threatening situation. Like yes. at this point I was on the uphill and I was like not anywhere close to dying. Like they were taking the tubes out, which is a good sign. <laughs> but for some reason, like my body was like sure that I was on the verge of death that day, which was yeah. super interesting. So like the ice chips and everything like that day, even though I like, they had taken my oxygen tube out, like I was breathing fine. My vitals were all great. Um, I just really thought I was going to die. So I was on all these medicines that were trying to help me go to sleep so I can relax, but I would not fall asleep (laughs) because I was so scared that if I fell asleep, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wake up. And so anyway, yeah. And then also with all the medication, I was getting really overstimulated. Like when people would talk to me, if there was multiple people in the room. And so I was having just like one person in the room with me at a time. Um, and so I started the morning, it was Ben, Ben was in the room. And at that point, like, I really just needed somebody to like, give me comfort and give me love and like, hold my hand. Um, and he was in the unique position that he was like the perfect person to do that. And so he like did that for me perfectly. Then a little bit later in the day, my dad came in um, and my dad's a doctor. So he had like the medical background. And at that point in the day, like, I really just needed to understand what was going on with my body and understand that I was going to be okay. And I trusted my dad's opinion mm-hmm. so much that like he was the perfect person to like use his gifts and talents to comfort me in that moment. And then my mom came in in the afternoon and she's a life coach, but essentially means that she like coaches people on like mm-hmm. understanding their thoughts and like what their behavior is doing because of those thoughts. Um, and she came in and this was right when I was starting to like process the trauma and like needing to like talk through like my fears. She was like the perfect person to like talk me through that and like know what was like triggering those traumas and like help me understand and like talk through my fears. And each of those people like couldn't have done the other person's job, but they all had their unique like perspective and their unique gifts to offer. And they did it so perfectly right when I needed it. And so going back to your question, like what do like, who is a good person? What is a good person? I feel like good people are people who use their unique abilities and talents and perspectives to lift other people up around them and to serve Mm -hmm. and give back in all the ways that they can. So again, long answer, but (laughs) good answer, especially (laughs) how you said it's different roles that only they could uniquely fulfill, right? It's not like your dad can do what you did and your mom do what Ben did and Ben do what your mom yeah. did you know it's it's just doesn't yeah. work like that and I think that's a good reminder to know that our gifts are uniquely given to us so that we can be a unique gift to the people that we know because even if there's someone that you feel like has your same gifts they don't know the same people you do that's and true it's the it's the people that you are surrounded with that obviously you can contribute and use your gifts to serve. And yeah. Help. Yeah. Well, and I really do feel like relationships are like the purpose of life. And so if we have these meaningful relationships and then we're using our gifts in those relationships to yeah. better the people around us, then that's like living life to the fullest in a lot of ways. So, yeah. A blunt question. Go for it. <laughs> what was going through your head? when you were scared that you could die? (laughs) Oh man, that, yeah, that was a rough, rough day. (laughs) I kept just saying over and over again, it's been a weird day. And my family just jokes about that over and over again because I was just like, there was so much going on and I was just so, like, I was so scared. And um, I think I was having, like with all the medicines, I was having a lot of like hallucinations and I'm sure I was remembering things from 
the trauma and my body was processing that in different ways. And so, um, yeah, I really just like knew that I couldn't fall asleep, which is so silly because I, I could have fallen asleep and I would have been fine. Like people were watching my every move. Like there was always somebody there. There was always a nurse like monitoring everything. Um, but I had, yeah, I, but I thought I was going to die. And that is, yeah, that was the, that was the real kicker is that and everybody else knew I wasn't, but I did think I was going to. And, um, and I, anyway, I remember there was, I don't remember if it was that night or the next night or whatever, but, um, I think it must've been the night before. Cause I was still intubated. So I couldn't talk. And Ben was asleep. It was nighttime. Ben was asleep, like in this hospital chair recliner thing. And, uh, I couldn't like yell to him or say like, I need you to wake up, like to keep me awake, you know? Um, and in this like nightmare or whatever you want to call it, hallucination, like I really felt like my vitals had dropped and like, mm-hmm. I was like a flat line, like, you know, like when a heart rate like goes to like a flat line, like flatline. in my dream, I like saw that, you know, and like, or whatever hallucination or it felt like reality to me. Um, and I remember like in that moment, just like telling myself to breathe, like in my head, I was like, okay, just breathe, breathe. And then I had this picture of, of James and Ben from when he was born that somebody had put in my like bed next to me. And they're like, whenever you need to like get through a hard moment, you just look at this picture. And so I remember looking at that picture and like really just thinking like, I cannot die. Like (laughs) I have to make it through this. Like I just had a baby and he needs me and like, I need him and I need Ben and like, I, I have to make it through this. And so I, I think just like breathing and looking at that picture really like got me through those moments. And obviously I wasn't actually going to die in that moment, but, but for me, that's the moment that I really thought I was going to. And, um, and just like having people next to me was huge too. Just like having my mom and my dad and Ben, like those are the three people I wanted with me and, um, they rotated and took turns and, and just having somebody there holding my hand and like talking me through things. (laughs) There's actually one point where my, my mom, my poor mom, my poor dad, they were so tired. Like they've been up, you know, at this point, like for like two weeks, probably like hadn't been sleeping. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my, both, both of them at one point, like leaned their head down to like, kind of take a nap or like close their eyes. And I said to them, like, you're a wimp. I'm fighting for my life and you're going to take a nap. Like, you, have to, you have to stay awake with me, you know? And they're like, they like laugh about that so much now because they're like, and I, I guess I told them like the first thing when I talk finally again and they came in, I was like, you guys look older. And they're like, well, yeah. Like, I'm like, I had no filter that day. But anyway, no. so I was just like, yeah, I was just so convinced. I was like, I need, I, anyway, I just was like, I cannot die I have to be here and I think um also I just I think there was some like spiritual experiences in that as well that I felt like I I have more to do here and there's um there's people who need me especially like James and Ben and um and I definitely feel like there was angels or whatever you want to call that um around me um supporting me and and definitely had some experiences like that that um, just testify more to the miracle of it all. And, um, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that also got me through it, just believing in a higher power and knowing that I could trust that that was going to support me through it as well. And, yeah. um, give me strength and enable me in ways that I couldn't do on my own. So, mm-hmm. and these like feelings you had of like, 
feeling that there's something you had to do, right? Like people that obviously still need you, which is your family and, and, oh, and all of that. Walking out of that hospital, were there any like promises or any commitments or anything like that that you thought about of going forward, walking out of this hospital, this is how I want to be or this is what I want to do? <laughs> Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind, and this uh, this is more of like a joke, but I'll talk about serious ones in a second. When I really wanted soda so bad, I made Ben promise me that we would go to soda no. every day after the hospital. Um, <laughs> so not my kids, and and we, we have pepper, gone right? almost every day. So he's kept up on that, and he also promised me Disneyland. So we'll see if that if he follows through on that yeah. one. Yeah, but, but yeah, in all seriousness. Um, <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of interesting because Ben was the one that was like dealing with a lot of this grief and like heartache and like yeah. having to have the faith and like trust that everything was going to be okay when all the odds were against us. And, um, and he told me that he, I don't, I'm, I'm sure he'd be fine with me saying this, but he told me that he promised God or whoever, I mean, we believe in a God and I know that some people don't, but we, we promised, he promised God that. Um, he would make sure that people knew that it was a miracle if he, if I could make it through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he told me that when I woke up and he was like, we need to make sure people know this is a miracle and share this story as much as we can. And so when you asked me to do this podcast, I was really excited because that, I think if I made any commitment, it was to make sure that people know that it's, this was a miracle and that God or whoever you believe in is involved in your life. And, um, Mm-hmm. is very aware of individual circumstances and and I don't I don't know why I survived and so many people haven't survived this like I did struggle with that thought a little bit and um but I'm so grateful that I did and honestly I feel like the biggest thing is I just want to be like the best mom I can because I know that that was probably a huge reason my life was spared was because I have this new baby and um and his life would be so different without a mom and so um I think yeah. I think for me, it's just been um, making sure that people know that it was a miracle and then trying hard to be the best mom that I can. Obviously, I make mistakes and I'm like scrolling Instagram sometimes when I should be like paying attention to him, but we all do that. And so I think um, I've just been trying to be really aware and um, intentional with like how, I mean, like I said, sometimes it's just really mundane and like monotonous and repetitive, but, but trying to make each day meaningful with him even if it is just smiling at him or making sure I tell him I love him before I put him down for a nap or things like that and I'm sure I'll keep learning more from this experience as I like process it more going forward and I'm sure there'll be other things that um come to mind as I comprehend that I have another chance at life and I think that's something that I'll always be processing and understanding more about as I go on with life but yeah Mm -hmm. This whole another another chance at life, it's it's so powerful because I feel like if I were in a situation like that too, the the thought that you said you struggled with of saying why me, I it almost feels like it would feel like like such a like a almost like a I don't know if burden is the right word, but kind of like this big thing where you're like holy cow, like that's a lot of whatever you want to call that, like commitment, like trust, like, holy, why me? There are so many other great people out there. Like, why did they not 
have this opportunity you know Mm -hmm. what has been your thought to be able to like cope with that better or understand that why me thought better yeah I don't I don't know if I have a great answer to that because I feel like I'm still processing that especially Mm -hmm. because this is such like a post like most people who get this clostridium cerdelia are postpartum and they die within days of giving birth to the baby and so that has been hard to like process and and mourn for those people and think like I don't (laughs) I don't know how their families and everybody has have dealt with that because that's just so hard and so I don't I don't think I have a great answer but I do um feel like um well, my doctor, my OBGYN, and then my dad are writing up like a case report on everything that happened. And so hopefully in the future when this happens, somebody else will be able to learn and they'll be able to survive too. And I think maybe that in part is part of the reason that there was so much um, inspiration that went into my case and my um, medication and my, I don't know, even know what you call that, but just like how they ended up handling my situation. Like, they, if they wouldn't have done the hysterectomy, I would not be alive. And so I think that's something that people just don't know with this bacteria. Um, it's also not something that people get screened for, like when they go into the hospital, because it's so rare. And so hopefully in the future, because of my experience and my case, they'll be able to save other moms and hopefully give them a chance at life with their babies. And um, mm-hmm. I just have to hope that somebody else is going to benefit from everything that happened and and yeah, I don't, I don't know why me, to be honest, like, I'm still processing that. But I hope that I'll figure that out as I go throughout life and, and try mm-hmm. to um, be the best person I can be and live the best life I can. So mm-hmm. thanks for sharing all of that. I'm sure there's, yeah, it's so fresh. Still, obviously, there's still a lot of processing to do. It's not something that happens like a month and a half after, you know, and you're <laughs> yeah I mean I think it'll be like a lifetime of exactly. processing honestly like yeah 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 I really loved by the way comment on your pictures that you took with um with Ben and your baby at, at the hospital um oh uh-huh. shoot you had I thought that was kind of it's gonna be a good memory to have I thought but you said yeah your aunt your yeah. pictures or something like that yeah, yeah. So she was supposed to just take pictures of James because they didn't know like how well I would be doing. And, and I'm a photographer, so my mom was taking care of James, and she knew that if I had James, I would be taking lots of pictures of him. And and so she wanted to like honor that, and so she scheduled this photo shoot with my yeah with my aunt to to take oh, those pictures. Okay. And then and then I was doing so well that they were like, well, why not just take them of the three of you? So we ended up yeah taking this photo shoot in the hallway of the hospital right outside my room. They actually turned out pretty cute, but. But uh, yeah, Ben like went to Target and got me a dress so I like wouldn't be in my hospital clothes. And it's like the first day I'd washed my hair and like honestly forgot I would even want to put makeup on. So luckily Ben like bought me some mascara and was like, here, I thought you might want this. I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. I haven't thought about that in weeks. So anyway. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Target. Target the place to go. You did a good job. Those pictures look great. Yeah, it was fun. Good job for him. Yeah. Anything else that comes to your mind uh, that you feel like you'd like to share um, about this experience or about anything else that you feel like would be worth sharing? Mm, no, I think I've like pretty much said it all. But yeah, I'm just 
I'm just so grateful to be alive. Like, I think that's the biggest thing. It's just like the gratitude that comes and like kind of going back to the beginning, like when I talked about the grateful, humble, happy thing, I just think this experience more than anything has taught me to be grateful and has humbled me in ways that I never would have experienced otherwise. And made me realize that like, I, there's a lot that I can't do on my own and I need other people and I need, um, like a higher power and I need that spiritual strength as well. And so, um, just gonna keep seeking that and keep trying to, and keep trying to like give back in other ways and pay it forward to other people who are going through hard things. And, um, but yeah, Yeah. I I think more than anything, I'm just so grateful to be alive and for all the people like you (laughs) who are thinking about me and, um, praying for me and sending good energy and all those things. So I love it. We'll share the miracle. I love that. <laughs> yep. Yep. Awesome. Like a lot of the time with, uh, with the podcast and uh, just the chats that I'll be having with people, it, I, I, I genuinely, I'm just leading by feeling or by people that are just on my mind that I should reach out to. So, so it's kind of cool to be able to hear that story that I didn't quite realize, you know, that promise that Ben made to make sure people know that it's a miracle. Um, so hopefully this will be a little bit of the ripple <laughs> that can help. Yeah, seriously. So yeah, seriously. Yeah. So thank you for hosting and for inviting me. I really appreciate it. And it's fun yeah. to catch up too. Fun to see I you know. after so long. And I also feel like getting to know you a little better too, because I don't yeah. think we've ever had a conversation this long before. Like we've like chatted. No, in there. it's like in passing. Yeah. 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 So thanks for joining me. Thank you. Yeah. It's been wonderful to have you on and let's keep on sharing the story of the walking miracle. Thanks for having me. I'm Andrea Cabrera with the Andrea Cabrera podcast. Thank you for listening. You can find me on Instagram at the Andrea Cabrera podcast. Catch a new episode every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And most importantly, you know how this next part goes. Please hit that like button, subscribe, send me some DMs, leave some comments on my posts. I want to know what you liked in particular about this episode. And I also want to know what type of people you want me to be talking to and what type of conversations you want me to be having with them. That way we can work together and build this community. Gracias, chicos. Bye.